All right, everybody. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the Tees and Touchdowns podcast. I'm David Kaplan. Really appreciate you tuning in here. Had some really good discussions. Uh, I told you in the intro that I was hoping to make these episodes about a half hour, but got pretty excited. I have time constraints when I'm on television. Obviously, I don't have them in podcast mode, so we went a little long, but I thought it was insightful. Aaron Martin's up first talking some NFL stuff, and then Andrew Carter is up. He had some insights about Tiger seeing him firsthand last year that uh, you might not know about as it relates to him and getting ready for tournaments. So looking forward to sharing this with you. Let me know what you think. All right. So we're here with Aaron Martin, a good friend of mine going uh, all the way back to a, uh, a trash truck lot in 2012, January. First time I met him, we worked for competing TV stations in Roanoke, Virginia. And uh, here we are. What almost 10 years later that we've known each other. That's crazy. Yeah, pretty close to 10 years. Gosh, I, I remember that exact meeting too, sitting there talking in the parking lot. I think you were interning at that point. Oh, yeah. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh, that he's a nice guy. I'm sure we'll never meet again. I need so. to, uh, I, we should follow up with Roanoke County police to see if they ever made an arrest in that, but, uh, we can, uh, we can figure that out another day, but no, seriously, you're a great friend. We've, we've been at it for a while. We always talk ball and, uh, it's fun to, uh, move our professional careers into a fun little side project. So yeah. Um, moving our text messages here to a podcast i was gonna say i was gonna say <laughs> giving bad advice advice to each other and now we can do it to the eight people listening but all good um all right aaron let's get straight to it uh we're gonna talk afc nfc kind of go through who's in the playoff picture right now uh do a little contenders pretenders type of thing and then uh we'll give out a couple bets for the weekend and we will uh we'll call it a day okay AFC did not realize that the chiefs have won eight straight and are on an absolute heater right now. And uh, coincidentally, they're the only team in the AFC that's locked up a playoff spot, which I also didn't realize. So we got Kansas city one, Tennessee at two right now, Cincinnati three, Buffalo four Colts, five Pats six dolphins, seven, with the Ravens, Chargers, Raiders, Steelers, and Browns lurking still. So we'll go through. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the one here. KC, pretender or contender so far? They have to be a contender, obviously. But just based off their history, they have the best quarterback in the NFL. For me, though, the big thing is their defense has played so, so well during this winning streak. I mean, we everybody defaults and says, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. It's their defense that's carried them. I mean, one thing that's kind of surprised me and frankly worries me a little bit about them going into the playoffs is Mahomes has not been Mahomes-like this year. Now, having said that, he's still the best quarterback on the planet. I suspect he'll snap out of it. But a Chargers game two weeks ago on Thursday Night Football that they eked out in overtime, he had a few throws uh, that were just a little worrisome. I mean, he short-armed a, a very... Uh, was it a, uh, from the two yard line fourth and goal that he just completely short armed and missed the wide open receiver. So they're certainly contenders. They will always be contenders as long as Mahomes is the quarterback, but there are some signs that have you a little bit worried that they're far more vulnerable than they have been in the past. Yeah, definitely. There was that collective freak out at the beginning of the year that their defense was like, Oh my God, what's going on. And then all of a sudden like Frank Clark and Chardavius Ward come back and uh, Teron Matthew is hurt last week. We got to see what happens with him. Um, but definitely their defense, you know, that team in Arrowhead in January, uh, has proven that they can do this. Uh, you know, they've been to, uh, they, they've been to this AFC championship game in consecutive Super Bowls 
taking that route. So we'll see what happens with them. All and, right. And just quickly on that note, their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, uh, of course, was the architect of those Giants defenses that befuddled mm-hmm. the Patriots. And he's just figured out how to turn it on. He knows when to get his guys to play well and scheme it up properly at the perfect time. That's what we've seen during this winning streak. It's hard to think that that's not going to continue into the playoffs. Absolutely. Tennessee. You know, I was looking into this a little bit. I, I think Tennessee is contenders for a couple of reasons. One, their defense is playing a, a lot better than I thought they they were when I started looking at the statistics, but they still have a real shot at this one seed. I mean, since uh, Kansas City still has a couple tough games. They're at Cincinnati. Uh, they're at Denver to end the season. Uh, Tennessee plays at home to the Dolphins, then finishes up with the Texans. If Kansas City stumbles once and Tennessee wins out, they're the one seed because they had that head-to-head win earlier in the year. So, I mean, if it wasn't for Derrick Henry coming back, A.J. Brown came back last week and had a big game. You know, Tannehill's having a down year, but he's playing well enough. I don't know how you don't – any team that can run the way that they run and his plays well enough on defense, I think they have to be contenders, even though – in many ways, they haven't really played like it in the second half of the season. I think that's right. My gut is always, and and I know this is like sort of a consensus on them. My gut is that, you know, they just always find a way, but I, I don't know if I'll ever pick them to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, look, if Derrick mm-hmm. Henry comes back and he's healthy, and that's obviously a big if, uh, you know, it, it obviously changes the complexion of that, that team Donta Foreman and Hilliard, this combination that they have and McNichols, I mean, they're, they're making it work. They're still winning games. It was an impressive eke out against San Francisco last week, but like, I don't know. They're just not a team that, uh, I'm ever going to fall in love with. So I, I don't call them contenders, but obviously they just don't go away. So uh, I guess by default, they kind of have to be. But obviously, you know, they are in the two slot right now and, and haven't locked anything up, uh, let, you know, not even their own division. Um, so we have to see. But obviously, there's, that's where some of the uncertainty will happen here uh, later on as we talk about the AFC. Any other year, I think Tennessee's a, a pretender, but the AFC is so wide open. I don't know how you can say they're not a contender. It's one of those weird parody-ish years that you might be absolutely right. Okay, Cincinnati. Pretender. I like Cincinnati. I think they have the ability to string together a couple wins. I think they could even win a playoff game. I, I think they're going to win the North. They're in pretty good shape to do it, but I just don't think they can consistently do it week to week to week. Um, even though he's had a good season, I don't trust Zach Taylor, their head coach, their offensive play caller. I think he's inconsistent overall. Uh, the defense is up and down. Uh, I love Joe Burrow. I think he's a hell of a player, but I also don't know what I'm getting out of him week to week. So I, I think I have to say pretender, even though I really like watching them play. I want to say contender so freaking bad because they are so much fun. I don't know if you saw the video uh, that the Bengals posted after the game. Uh, but basically Zach Taylor's given game balls to like uh, uh, Jamar Chase. He gives one to Higgins. Both have absolute monster games. He gave one to Boyd. And uh, and then he gives it to, you know, it crescendos with Burrow, who sets a single yeah. game franchise record. How could he and not give like, it to Burrow? Oh my yeah. gosh, this team's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, they've got Nixon. They've got all these, like, they're just such like a fun fantasy team. Their secondary leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I just can, you know, I can find themselves, they can find themselves getting into a track meet with a team that, that they just might not be able to put the points up if their defense lets them down the way that it feels like they have, but obviously they put together some dominating performances, uh, this year. So, you know, as we talk about Tennessee, this is a year where who, who the heck knows? I mean, maybe, maybe they do get hot, but their defense hasn't really shown any consistency to make me think that they, they can do it. 
So yeah, only because it's wide open, but I'm not there quite yet. Uh, the Buffalo Bills. They have Josh Allen's the only reason I'm saying contender. They're, I know this is hurting your heart a little bit because you're a big Bills fan. <laughs> I, I like the I like McDermott. I like the infrastructure there. Their defense has been really really good this year. Uh, Josh Allen finally looked like Josh Allen this week against the Patriots for the first time since probably what week four, week five. So if he's playing like that, yeah, they have to be a contender. But short of that game, if we had this conversation last week, I'm saying pretender because there's just something off about that team right now. But you know, if Josh Allen does Josh Allen things, then that tends to erase pretty much everything else. So uh, everybody listening to this probably knows I'm a Bills fan, so it's going to be hard yeah. for me to be objective. So, uh, but we're on the same page with this one. I uh, I agree that the Bills can can win the Super Bowl. I really genuinely believe it in my in my heart of hearts. Um, they haven't been the offensive juggernaut consistently this year that we saw last year. And that that's an objective truth. You, you, you know, we lost to the Jaguars. We didn't score a touchdown in the game. Like I, I I'm completely clear eyed about that. That said, you know, moral victories might not be a thing, but coming out of that Tampa Bay game, it just felt like something clicked in the second half. And, you know, I didn't realize until I looked today, uh, the bills are number one in pass defense, uh, in mm-hmm. terms of yardage. Number two, without Tredarius white. Yeah. No, Tredarius no, white, excuse me. Number two is Carolina. Number three is new England. Who were the last two teams that the bills played against? So, um, you know, Josh Allen, you know, the running game, who knows what we're going to get out of that also. And that's something the offensive line play has been a little bit inconsistent, but was pretty good uh, once Deion Dawkins came in uh, for the bills on Sunday. So, uh, and the defense has been relatively, relatively consistent, relatively stellar. So if the offense, if these signs of life in the offense are what they've been the last couple of weeks and what we're likely to see as they play home against Atlanta, home against the jets to finish this year, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not counting the, the Falcons game, especially as a win quite yet, but certainly uh, they have some potential uh, as well. well Ve- so, Vegas is, I think they're 14 and a half point favorites. 14 when I and a half. I just yeah. checked, which is wild. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, you know, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. Uh, the Colts. If you would have asked me this morning, I'm saying contender, this whole Carson Wentz testing positive thing certainly throws a wrench in it because he uh, then again the nfl then updates its its rules its protocols for how long a player who tests positive who's asymptomatic has to be out so who knows if he plays this weekend i personally think they're contenders for one reason and one reason only jonathan taylor i think jonathan taylor single-handedly can turn a game around i think if carson wentz can play like he has been the last few weeks, all, you know, throwing for all of 87 yards, but more than anything else, not turning the ball over. And if they just keep feeding Jonathan Taylor, especially if they're going to be going into to Nashville, going into Buffalo, going into Kansas city, I think Indianapolis absolutely is a dark horse Super Bowl team, not just a contender to get out of the AFC, but to win a whole thing, because I think Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line is that good. Yeah. But it it, it thing, I don't know. It might be like an AFC South thing where these guys are just juggernauts. And, and maybe this is the way it's, you know, since Peyton left the division, it's always kind of been this way where it's like, these are two teams that are really good. The Jaguar, I mean, the Texans had a couple good years. The Jaguars have been the Jaguars. I mean, you know, they had the one, the one good year where they lost to the Patriots in the AFC championship game. But if, I mean, if Taylor's going to win the MVP, he's going to win it in the next two weeks, because, you know, if they can do this without Wentz, I mean, not to say that Wentz has gotten them to this point, but, you know, I, I just, 
I hear you and, and I, I feel that, but for the same reason, I think that the Titans are probably, you know, on that line. I probably feel the same way about the Colts. You know, that said, they thrashed the Bills in Buffalo. You know, they they could be a team that could that could certainly win games. Their defense is certainly uh, does enough. That front four, Darius Leonard, uh, you know, really strong group and unit. And they're just uh, personnel-wise a really well-bit team. So I totally understand you there. Well, just re- real quick, too. Do you trust Carson Wentz in January? No. No, yeah, and I, I so. didn't, you know, I one of the, the stats that I'm always, and I don't, I don't know the stat offhand, but like when he took the Eagles to – uh, you know, when they, when they had the great year, when, the, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, their third down third and long, like conversion rate was just bonkers. Like it was, it was off the charts if I remember correctly. And so, you know, there's a little bit of skill with that. I, you know, there's a little bit of luck with that. I, I think just from watching the games, but you know, he, he's just never been the guy, you know, in the way that Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, or maybe to an extent, Joe Burrow now is the guy who might be able to, you know, go out there and, and, and score your team enough points to win the game. I mean, it's as simple as that, you know, um, and, and, you know, it's become a passing league. And so, you know, maybe people of our age and our generation, like think it's weird that, you know, we, we're so into the passing right now that we don't think a team that's, that's so run heavy can win it. But obviously, you know, this is a team that's built really well and has some good weapons in the receiving game and blocks better than almost any other team in the league. And they didn't have Quentin Nelson in the last game and, you know, still got it done. And, you know, he's going to come back from the COVID list eventually. And yeah. Um, Okay. Patriots. I think the Patriots are pretenders. I I think they were, I think they got hot mid season. I think they beat up on a few not so great teams they played well enough against Dallas and teams like that. And they play, you know, that weird game against the bills that everybody jumped on the bandwagon. I really like Mac Jones. I think he's going to be a a really solid quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he's there yet. And I think that defense is a little suspect too. So I'm, I'm saying pretenders. I actually think they could be knocked out in round one. I I think their defense might, might keep them in a couple of games, but I, I have to agree with you. I think, you know, people don't have the defensive personnel that the Bills have, um, but I, I think, you know, I, and I, we don't know all, all the X's and O's of football. I'm, I'm as self-aware as anybody can be, but but it was pretty clear that Jones, you know, he, he had one game, was, was it maybe the Jets game? Uh, when he was just throwing darts all over the field and, and looked mm-hmm. really good. But, you know, in this game, I don't know if it was a weather thing being colder and new, I have no clue what it is, but you know, the bills asked him to beat them and they didn't, they didn't. And, you know, Damian Harris still scored three touchdowns. Uh, so clearly the bills could have done probably more to stop the run, but you know, when, when they needed Mac to win the game in a huge game that essentially could decide the AFC East, he couldn't do it. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I hate to be all hot takey reactionary after one game. That's not, what we want to do, but, uh, it sort of feels like, uh, we learned a lot from that game. As well. And fatigue, I think is a real thing too, because he's never played anywhere near this many games. Certainly when he was at Alabama, he was getting protected and barely touched in a lot of those games. So now he's, you know, we're getting into to week 17 plus it's going to be, you know, week 18 and then a playoff game. And then if they win a playoff game, it's just an awful lot of football, high stakes football. It's a lot for any rookie. I think there's only a handful of guys who really can handle that and keep showing up week to week. I'm just not sure if Mac Jones is there yet. Yeah. All right. Uh, as of now, the seven seed occupant is the Miami dolphins. Oh, dude. And I would just watch that dreadful uh, Monday night game because of fantasy football. Uh, I mean, I'm impressed with, with the fact that they've won eight, eight straight. I think it is now, but they're pretenders. They have to be. I mean, I, I don't trust Tua. 
Uh, that offense has done nothing for me to show me that if they get down a couple touchdowns, they have any shot at coming back. Uh, Jalen Waddle's a beast, uh, but all it takes is, is one team to figure out that, hey, we'll just bracket cover Jalen Waddle or we'll put an extra high safety over to make sure that he gets isolated. And I don't know what two is going to do. Uh, the defense is awesome. That Dolphins defense is, is legit and really, really good. Though they may give a, a if they get in, I could see them giving a team uh, some trouble, but they still got to play the Patriots. They still uh, got to play the Titans. Those are two really, really tough games. And if they have any hope of making the playoffs, they at least have to win one of them and probably both. All right. So they're the during the win streak, nine points against the Texans, 10 against the Ravens, 17 against the Jets, 10 against the Panthers, nine against the Giants, 24 against the Jets, three against the Saints. So they've really shut a lot of bad teams down this defense, but you know, it's the same defense that gave up 35 to the bills. Uh, but that was early on, you know, before it's, you know, it's a seven game losing streak and then a seven game winning streak, which is bonkers. I want to say, pretend, I want to say contenders just because of that, but I, I I'm not here to have a hot take like that just because, you know, uh, they, they just don't feel like they have the offensive weapons to, to, to make a run. And I just don't think they can beat, uh, you know, Kansas city, Cincinnati, Buffalo, even, uh, I don't think they're going to hold them to, to, you know, below 24 or 21 points that, that they would need to win those games. That said could be uh, this Tennessee game is going to be really interesting to watch that. That's one that I kind of have circled as like a, a kind of dark horse, interesting game of the week. Cause uh, you like the under in that game probably. Um, but you know, how, how competent is Miami's defense going to be? Tannehill doesn't really turn the ball over. So, you know, and, and Miami's reliant on a lot of, a lot of turnovers. So uh, should be interesting to see how that game shakes out. All right. I'm going to tick through the remaining teams since we're, uh, we're, we're, we're moving slower than I was planning, but it's completely fine. Cause we're, we're, we're doing really good with the chatter. Um, great right. banter outside looking in right now, Ravens, chargers, Raiders, Steelers, Browns, any of those stick out to you as a wild card team, uh, that could potentially make uh, a run. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually think the Raiders, uh, the, and I, and it sounds crazy and they've looked terrible in so many ways, but I like them better than almost every other team that is in the pretend that is in that list that could still sneak in. Like I mentioned before with Miami, they got a tough, tough end of the season. And I wouldn't be shocked if they lose one or both of those games, you know, the Raiders have been playing a lot better. They have a big back in Josh Jacobs. Who's been playing well. Derek Carr is pretty solid. That defense is playing better. I I'm, I honestly am not trying to be hot takey here, but I actually think the Raiders have a pretty decent shot at it. They finish up with the, with the chargers and with the Broncos, two very winnable games. I, I don't know. I could see them sneaking up on somebody. I, I think that's an interesting take. And I, I don't think that's, I, I think that is possible. I mean, car car has been competent. They've thrown out some real stinkers of games, but yep. we've, we haven't, seen Josh Jacobs kind of really get going and, and they, you know, he did last week and who knows they're, they're kind of a, who knows uh team, a real lack of consistency, but uh, you know, all it's all about getting hot at the right time. So I hear you there. Um, you know, we, we spoke so well of the charges and the Ravens earlier this year, you know, Lamar could come back and for all intents and purposes uh, you know, some magic could happen there, but it's just been such a cursed year for that team with, torn ACLs and COVID. And, uh, you know, I, so I, I agree with you there. And then the chargers, you know, so many weapons their defense just hasn't taken care of business in some of these games. You can't lose to the Texans and, and this late in the season 
and sort of uh, be expected to to make some sort of run. So I I hear you on that. Okay, NFC. We'll tick through these. Packers. Obviously contenders. They have to be. They're they're more than likely going to be the number one seed, get the home field advantage in the bye. I think any team that's in that position has to be considered a contender. One thing that surprised me a little bit is anytime you think Packers, you think of offense, you think of Aaron Rodgers. But if the season ended today, they would actually have the the second lowest total points out of all of the NFC playoff teams. They've mm. only they've scored less than everyone except the Niners, and even that's pretty close. So I think that offense still has some question marks. I thought against the Browns last weekend, they looked really good to start off and then kind of tailed off. Uh, so I'm not sure. I mean, I certainly think they're contenders. I think anytime you got to go through Lambeau, that's a tough haul, but I don't know. They're not the hands down favorites. I think as many people thought they were last year, uh, leading up to that NFC championship game, who the heck would want to tackle AJ Dillon running straight at them in Lambeau in January. I mean, I, you know, the offensive line's great two headed monster at running back, uh, one of the best receivers in the league probably the best quarterback in the league who's going to win a likely win a second consecutive MVP. Uh, yeah. And a defense that's playing better. So, uh, but I, I hear you on not, not feeling like I trust them a hundred percent. Um, so we'll see there Cowboys. But is there any team you, but is there any team you trust in the NFL at all right now? I don't, there's no team that I look at and say, yeah, okay. It would take a perfect storm for them to lose. I think every team is so fatally flawed this year. I think that's right. And I, I, you know, Again, non-objective Bills fan here, but I, I felt like the Chiefs, you know, I felt like we were leading to the Chiefs and the Bills playing in the in the AFC championship game last year. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see two teams just on this absolute collision course in either conference this year. So I I, you know, we we probably should should kill that line about just uh <laughs> oh, it's not obvious. Yeah. Uh okay, Cowboys. I hate to say pretender just because they've let us down so many times over the years, but I think they are a contender because of how well that defense has played. Micah Parsons has been incredible. Randy Gregory is playing really, really well. Uh, they still have Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, the secondary has been surprisingly strong. Uh, they just, I think that defense is actually probably what makes them contenders and what carries them. Uh, Dak showed some signs of life last, last week, which is good, but you know, that offense it can certainly score enough, but I think that defense is really what makes them a contender and is going to make them really, really tough to play. So for the reasons that I just talked about, about liking the dolphins, I feel like the Cowboys are a better version of that and they have better personnel. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, that game against Washington was just a thrashing. And, and I think when you consider how teams are playing in late December, you, you, you know, you have to look at that game and think, it might all be coming together. You know, Dax had a couple inconsistent performances as well. Uh, if you're a fantasy owner of Dax, you know that. And uh, if you're in the championship this week, it's it's not because of him um, necessarily. But you know, he got it together last week. You know, you made it to you. You might have won last week because of him, but you didn't get to that spot because of him. Um, and yeah, that offensive line is, is just good. You know, uh, it looks like they've utilized Tony Pollard a little bit more, uh, and, and it's kept Zeke a little bit fresher. Uh, so. I, you have to like them a lot. Los Angeles Rams. Real quick, would you would you bet on the would you bet on the Cowboys to win a playoff game? They haven't done so since the mid nineties. As of right now, would you bet on them to win a playoff game? Yeah, because I don't like the bottom of this conference, and I think whoever they whoever comes to Dallas for that first game might not give them much of one. Uh, so by by virtue of 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 that technicality, I think so. Rams. That's fair. 
Uh, definitely contenders. I, I think uh, in, if Stafford can get his, his stuff together and start figuring out uh, what's going on there, I think that the Rams are the team to beat in the NFC. Uh, I, I think that they, they are very loaded. Uh, they're obviously very top heavy, but that defensive line is very good. Uh, the secondary of Jalen Ramsey is fantastic. Uh, Jordan Fuller in the back end is really, really good. Uh, and, you know, certainly Cooper Cup, maybe having the best receiving season in NFL history, all while doing this while Stafford has actually struggled significantly in the last few weeks. So I think if Stafford can get right, which I think he probably will, uh, Sony Michelle starting to play well, that, that line, despite having a whole gigantic group of no names, continues to play really, really well, open up holes for the running game, uh, protect the quarterback. I think the Rams actually are the team to beat in this conference. I disagree with you there. I, I still think mm, it's okay. the Packers. I think I still like the Cowboys more than I like the Rams. I can't say pretender because of the personnel that they have and and how well that they've played, uh, you know, since the Jaguars game and, and really sort of feel like they've started to piece together offensively. I just, you know, speaking of people who haven't won playoff games in a long time, I mean, Stafford's never been in this position. So mm -hmm. my gut wants me to, you know, think that, that they can't get this done. However, you know, you, you have to look at this team and realize that Sean McVay took Jared Goff to the Super Bowl with him and right, right, clearly exactly. didn't like Jared Goff <laughs> very much uh, because he traded him. So, um, they're not a team I'm going to trust either. I, I don't know why I just, I just, I, you know, if they go out and put a shellacking in the, in the first round, I'll think they can do it. I just don't know if, if in that sort of pressure situation, if, if Stafford is going to be capable of doing that. So, um, yeah, and that's legitimate. That's a very legitimate concern with Stafford. I think he's probably going to turn it around and do enough and make enough. He only needs to make a couple big plays a game and with, with cup and everybody, I think he can do it, but I totally think that concern is legitimate. It just, I think defensive strong defensive lines that have been able to, to pierce that offensive line of given, I mean, giving him a lot of trouble. He lacks the mobility. He's in his mid thirties. I just mm -hmm. don't, I don't, he hasn't done it before too. So uh, it, it'll be interesting pulling for the guy. Love him. Think he's, think he's yeah. fun to watch when he's cooking, but who knows Tampa Bay. I think they're pretenders this year. I really do. I'm not a big bucks fan. I think, I think what made everything work so perfectly last year was that everybody was healthy and which is crazy, not only for any team, but a team that has so many older veteran players like the bucks do. Uh, it's fair to question, obviously, how long Brady can continue doing this. I'm, he's not the, the one I worry about. I think the Godwin injury going down was huge for them. I think Mike Evans being week to week is going to hurt a lot. I think uh, playoff Lenny being uh, week to week hurts a lot. Uh, that defense at secondary has been a disaster because they they can't stay healthy. I just I and even the even the defensive line, which was so, so good at the beginning of the year, nobody could run on them. They've been pierced a few times in the last few weeks. So I just think this Bucks team, everybody's going to jump on them and say, oh, they're on, you know, this team's even better than they were before. I don't see it this year. I actually think they, they are a prime candidate, to, prime, excuse me, prime candidate to get upset in the first round. Yeah. You know, it's Tom Brady and, and, you know, due respect to him, obviously, but I think all the points that you brought up are right. I mean, Richard Sherman's playing safety for the bucks against the, uh, against the bills, uh, a couple weeks ago, because of the way that the personnel, you know, they, they got so healthy last year and it just feels like, you know, uh, losing those offensive pieces. I think we have a different conversation if they, if they can, can boat race a couple other teams. Uh, but I, I just, who knows, you know, I, I, I saw the Washington uh, beat Tampa in Washington firsthand. So you, you, you know, the vulnerabilities again, every team has vulnerabilities. A lot of these teams have bad losses. Um, but I, I understand the sentiment. Would it surprise me if Tom Brady pulled some Tom Brady magic? No, 
but I just don't see them with the personnel that they have and the defense that they have right now, as it's constructed right now, uh, making that run. So yeah, I, hear I agree. You All right. Uh, I will tick through the next three. I think the wild card teams, we can sort of do together in, in the vein that we did with the AFC, Arizona, San Francisco, Philadelphia are currently the five, six and seven. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if any of them, truthfully uh have any shot um I, a lot of people were jumping on the Niners bandwagon I don't know how you could possibly trust Garoppolo uh I, I've been saying this for a long time I think he's at his best when they don't ask him to do anything even when they went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago uh he had a couple of games where he threw like what eight passes nine passes uh, if they're able to scheme something up that way sure it's a different story but uh they're beat up their secondary's a mess uh I just I don't trust Jimmy uh I their running back situation's kind of a mess Brandon Ayuk is a total coin flip every week. I, I just, I don't really trust San Francisco. Maybe they can pull off an upset, but I don't think they're going any further than that. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, I think is beat up on a bunch of bad teams for the Eagles. Uh, I mean, they were tied three, three with the giants late in the first half last week before they pulled ahead. You know, he's to me, he's the perfect example of a fantastic fantasy quarterback and a so-so or below average NFL quarterback. So I don't really trust the Eagles and the Cardinals are in a tailspin right now and they've lost their best receiver uh, at least for the rest of the regular season. And, you know, who knows what condition Deandre Hopkins will be in if he's able to come back for the playoffs. So I just, I don't know how you can trust any of those teams. Yeah. You know, Arizona started so strong and that narrative's kind of popped up where they, they started really strong under Cliff Kingsbury and, and it sort of faltered towards the end of seasons. So, uh, you know, if they get Hopkins back and, and James Connor's been iffy the last couple of weeks, he's, he's, sat out last week. So, uh, he was huge for them, but it just doesn't, that offense just doesn't have the pop that like you would assume that they have when you hear things like air raid offense and clicks cliff Kingsbury. Like, so I, I agree with you there, Sam, do, you do know, you think that's Kyler just really quick on Arizona. Do you think that's Kyler Murray? Because he's been so, so good to start seasons. And then it seems to be the second year in a row where he's really, really tailed off, uh, partially due to injuries or, or what have you, but do you think Kyler is part of the reason why that offense just isn't clicking? That's a really good question. I, I don't, I, I really don't know enough to know what, what it would be. I, I really, mm-hmm. I, the personnel's all there. Kyler is clearly capable of taking over games. I don't know if it's an injury thing with him. Uh, you know, he's so much faster than everybody else on the field. It looks like when he plays, maybe it's, you know, his legs just move faster and he looks faster, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, you know, he threw a couple really nice balls against the Colts. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, oh, yeah. He, he's really, he's really obviously a good player. I just, it's in the same way, you know, there's just not, something's not clicking there. And, yeah, you know, they, they yeah. have, look, when they get in the red area, when they get in the red area, I sound like when they get in the red zone, <laughs> um, you know, they, they really, uh, they, they really know how to punch it in. It feels like, cause they have such a good red zone running back with James Connor, but yeah, I, I just don't, you know, there's just something, and it's easy to say that about a team that hasn't, uh, hasn't really done it in the last month or so. So, but yeah, I, I, do I see that team getting hot and making a run? Not, not necessarily. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of questions about Kyler Murray's viability just based solely on his size. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't play well, uh, not only toward the last couple of games, but really at the, in the playoffs, because he's had a few games where you're just watching him going, something isn't right. And that, that would be the second time in a row where their best player 
just really hasn't come up for whatever reason, hasn't come up as big as they really need him to. It's so fun when he's good. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's so fun to watch. And, you know, I just, uh, who knows? I, you know, I, how much fun would it be to see that team make a run and, and, oh, it'd be and awesome. you know, yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, they can play some electric games, but I, I think you're right there, but you know, they're in they're 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 going to be there. So, uh, you know, can they go to Tampa and beat Tom Brady right now? Would you, would you, would you take that bet? I probably would. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you could bet on Arizona uh, for yeah. what we've seen the last few weeks, but you know what, if they look better in the next couple of weeks or they decide to rest their players and try to get back and back on track, then maybe I'll take another look at it. But I just, after what we've seen with Arizona, really, since they lost to the Rams on Monday night football, I, I don't know how you could bet on them at this point. Yeah. And then Philadelphia, you know, Miles Sanders breaks his hand. He hasn't scored a touchdown all year. Uh, mm-hmm. their receiver- I have him on fantasy football. I'm yeah, well you're, aware. You're keenly aware. Yeah. The, the, I, I don't know why they're, they are a team. I, I just, I, I think they could potentially make some noise. I can they win the really? Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts? I don't think so. Uh, as that team is constructed right now, but I think their offensive line play has been relatively good. They run the ball extraordinarily well. Uh, their defense does leave a little to be desired, but they certainly have some names on that defense. You know, they've paid a lot of money to their, their cornerbacks and their secondary. Um, I don't have their, their defensive, you know, passing statistics in front of me right now, but, um, I don't know, you know, they're, they're a team that I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in, but obviously they put up some dud performances, but they put up some pretty good ones and, and beaten teams that they, they could and should beat. And, uh, they're one I'm watching too. Minnesota. What, yeah. Real quick. Here's what worries me about the Eagles. They really haven't beaten anybody any good. Mm-hmm. I think they've beat up on the, t- they beat the teams they should beat, but their wins this year. And I'm just pulling it up right now. Atlanta, Carolina, Detroit, Denver, New Orleans, Jets, Washington football team, Giants. Mm. So they've beaten all the teams they're supposed to beat. Yeah. And they've lost to the Niners, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bucks, Raiders, Chargers, Giants. Wow. So I think that's that's the big issue with the Eagles is that they're not going to be playing any of those bad teams once they get to the playoffs. And we haven't seen any evidence this season that they can even be competitive with them, let alone beat them. Mm-hmm. Mm. The, 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 those losses are all pretty good teams. I mean, for the most part, yeah. you know, with, with an exception or two. Uh, that's, that's an interesting list, but you know, you could say the same about a lot of teams in the, in, yeah. you know, the, this year and the way the league's gone this year, mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota, Atlanta, new Orleans, any of them you think could make any noise? I don't think so. I, yeah. I think they're all pretty much out of it. I don't even know. There's a whole lot to say. I mean, I guess it would have to, if Philadelphia somehow lost to the, to Washington and to the giants to end the season, then maybe Minnesota sneaks in there, but they still got to play the Packers. I uh, don't really see them beating that, the pack, especially as they're trying to clinch a first round by, um, I mean, I, th- I think Atlanta's Atlanta's like a worse version of Philadelphia in the sense that they beat teams that they should beat and can't beat anybody else. And, uh, and uh, new Orleans has no quarterbacks and no offense. And I, even with Taysom with Taysom Hills playing, I don't think their offense is significantly better than what we saw Monday night. So yeah, I don't, I don't like any of those teams to even come close to getting the playoffs. Yeah. All right. So there we go. Give me a couple of your best bets for the weekend and we'll, uh, we'll call it a day. All right. I got two best bets that I liked a lot. Uh, right now, 
The Bengals are five and a half point underdogs at home against the Chiefs. Their money line is almost plus 200 on FanDuel. I really, really like the Bengals money line. I don't know if they're going to pull it off, but they've played really, really well lately. I think the Chiefs are sort of on the edge, on the brink a little bit of, of they've really have tested fate a couple times against that not so great Chargers team. I, I watched that whole game and uh, the Chargers went, went for it inside the 15 yard line, I think three times didn't get at any of them. Uh, so that game easily could have been very, very different. So I like the Bengals. I think they're pretty solid. And for almost a two to one bet, that's, that's money that I'm absolutely risking. So I think it's worth it. The other one I love is Rams minus three and a half over the Ravens. I know it's a road dog going cross country. That's always a little rough. Maybe I tease that down to two and a half, but I just think Baltimore secondary is really, really beat up. I think it's a good game for Stafford to get out of his funk. Even if Lamar's back, he's dealing with a sprained ankle. Uh, you know, Huntley, if he's playing, is coming off COVID list. I just think there's a lot of factors in there that make the Rams, and the Rams have a lot to play for. So I, I think the Rams are an easy bet, especially if I can tease that down under a field goal. What about okay. you? Okay, so we have two we have two games that are on our our similar list. Uh, okay. so I, I originally like Cincinnati plus five and a half. That makes complete sense to me, given the narrative, given how they played last week. Uh, given that public money always comes in on, on Kansas city. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's priced into the line just a little bit. I love over 49 and a half though. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I can't, I can't bring myself to think that Cincinnati will uh, possibly co- I could see Cincinnati losing by a touchdown, but I also just feel like that game is just not going to be low scoring and, and Lord knows 49 and a half is 49 and a half for a reason, but for that number to be under 50 to me just feels like, I mean, would a 27, 24 game, a 31, 24 game really surprise you in Cincinnati. I I just don't see Cincinnati getting blown out at home. And I see Kansas city uh, putting up a pretty strong passing performance against uh, a pretty weak uh, statistically sick Cincinnati secondary. So I like the over 49 and a half. And then I actually, so there are two others that I, there, there's three other bets that I, I really like, which means all of them are going to lose. Um, I wrote zag Baltimore plus three and a half home. Oh, against the Ravens, uh, the Rams. I, it's purely just a, a theory that there's just going to be so much public money on the Rams that, that mm-hmm. a Lamar return must win at home game in a colder environment uh you know the rams really struggled in green bay i'm not saying it's going to be freezing in the dmv next weekend but i just i just think there's a little bit of value on on the ravens plus three and a half at home against that team and maybe that's completely misguided because um like what i said earlier about you know just wondering if matthew stafford can get the job done uh in in uh, December and January. Uh, but that's just purely a, I don't know if I fully believe it, but I, uh, feel like it's, it's one of those kind of Vegas games that, that is worth a little bit of a taste on the Ravens. So and that's, I will say that line, I was looking at it going, okay, what does Vegas know that I don't know? Why is right. this only three and a half? Why is this not five and a half? Unless there's yeah. some like Lamar uncertainty priced in there. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I but yeah, I, I, am I, am I putting the mortgage on it? Absolutely not. But for the kind of recreational guys like us uh, could be worth it. Um, so those are, those are two that I'm interested in. Um, I just, with the way Washington played last week, obviously it's a home game and, and I should think the same, you know, I, I should think that, that, Washington 
might put up a good performance, but the Eagles minus three and a half just feels like uh, a good bet. These teams only played each other, you know, whatever, 10, 12 days ago. Uh, Cause it was the Tuesday game and they're, they're rematching. So I like that a lot. And then green Bay at home, six and a half against uh, uh, Minnesota. I think green Bay knows how important it is that, that the NFC goes through Lambeau and um you know, Kirk Cousins has played well in primetime games, despite the, the, the narrative on that lately, but I just, uh, I don't know since I don't, I don't know if I see many Minnesota keeping that, that game relatively close. And just one quick bet that I love putting in every week, but the line's not out yet. Whatever Cam Newton's passing yard total is bet the under. Yeah. I've been, I've been winning money on that for a year and a half, even hard on that one too. So, (laughs) all right, Aaron, I think we did pretty well. We went a little bit longer than planned, but I think we, we, we provided good content for the good listeners of the tees and touchdowns podcast. You know, this is the longest 15 minutes of my life, but there you go. I was going to say, I was going to (laughs) say, all right, brother. Thanks for joining. Thanks buddy. It was a blast. All right. We went a little long on the football side of things. First podcast, getting the jitters out here, but uh, Andrew Carter is joining us for a little bit of golf talk as we kind of get ready for the PGA tour season to really kick off in Hawaii, which is always a really exciting time of year since you can watch not only West coast golf, but way West coast golf uh, into the the later hours of the evening. Uh, Andrew uh, owns his own company. Uh, It's been awesome to watch his growth. It's called let it fly media. Uh, also does some stuff for the PGA tour, which is pretty cool. Uh, we can talk about that probably another time, but, uh, we'll keep it short and sweet. I I asked you, Andrew, uh, to come up with four golfers that you're kind of excited to watch, uh, in 2022. Um, before we get to your four, uh, we got to do a little bit of tiger talk. I said three minutes on tiger. So first of all, welcome to the show. And second of all, Tiger 2022, give me what you're expecting. When do we see him? What do we see when we do see him? Okay, well, that was a great intro, and I'm just glad to be the golf expert, even though I have no credentials to do so. Um, although I guess I have had behind-the-scenes um, look at some of these guys the last couple of years. So, you know, what's funny, David, is my previous industry, as you know, as a broadcast journalist on the sports side, I probably would have went on one of these and, like, talked all this stuff and acted like I knew what I was talking about where now I don't have those credentials at all, but I probably know way more than I ever would have I just from say, what we've been doing. So this is kind of fun. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, this is fun. And uh, obviously, you know, you, you're, if you are listening to this, check out, let it fly, uh, especially on Instagram, you, you've, you've gotten to meet some pretty cool people surrounding the game and uh, it's been cool to watch like your company grow and, and all that. So um, I appreciate yeah. it. So, yeah. so, so Tiger, are we talking Tiger? We're talking Tiger. Let's talk Tiger. Okay, so it's interesting. Um, here's a little just backstory. We were able to work, and this is not a plug. This is actually interesting. We were able <laughs> to work um, the Paynes Valley Cup, which was a nothing thing, and most people didn't even realize it happened on Golf Channel, but it was him, Justin Thomas, um, Justin Rose, and Rory, two-on-two Ryder Cup style. It was kind of in the heat of COVID. Um, I don't even know if you saw it, but it's, some people might have. The interesting thing when we worked that was I got to see Tiger kind of in person deal with what he has to deal with from an injury standpoint. A lot of people have seen this, but the dude has to stretch like an insane amount. And this is before the car crash. Um, if he sits for too long, he gets stiff. And this isn't breaking news or anything, but it was like crazy seeing in person what he has to do to just get ready to play 18 holes. And then all of a sudden he's out there and it's like snap of a finger. You wouldn't know that he was like an 80 year old man behind the scenes. 
uh, with what his body and the way he has to treat it. So I say all of that and with only three minutes to go and we're probably like a minute in, <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen given now it's a leg issue way different than all of his other injuries. But I would say watching him play in the pro-am with his son, I was pretty encouraged. I think his legs definitely need some more work, but the dude is going to pick his spots and I'm never going to count him out. So I don't know if he'll ever win again, but we're going to see him around for many, many years. Cause I think he wants to play with the sun one day teeing off at the same tournament. And, and I think I got that vibe too. And I, I admittedly didn't watch a ton of the PNC obviously saw all the stuff on social media. Uh, saw, you know, he was in the cart and, and, uh, and, and kind of indicated that he still had a little bit of a ways to go to get to the quality that, that he wants to um, when we see him, I don't have an idea based on all the stuff that he said and, and how kind of demanding I've never been on the grounds at Augusta, but how demanding of a walk that is, you know, I'm sure that's a date that he probably wants to get back to, but I also think, you know, St. Andrews could be, you know, a, a target for him as well. And, and he said previously that he's going to kind of pick and choose his spot. So again, uh, good banter. It would be foolhardy though, to probably guess and circle a date on the calendar, but you know, tiger in red, with Augusta green just feels so right, but, uh, on a Sunday, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. Okay. Uh, four guys that you are uh, excited about. We'll kind of go back and forth here, a couple nuggets okay. on each and we'll, we'll call it a day. So who's your first? Um, my first is going to be Joaquin Neiman. Mm, great answer. Go is on. Is he one of yours? He isn't, but he was a tough guy to leave off the list. Okay. Okay. So it's a, pretty quick bolted point and I, I you know since your audience is all about every type of sport i'm not going to act like everyone's experts or maybe they know more than we do we're but ca we're casual guys talking a casual game yeah okay so casually i remember him on the amateur side of things and so he was just so dominant and when he was coming up and even his first couple tournaments um he he looked the part as he did as an amateur and then you know, last year off the top of my head, because I followed closely, but I didn't like do a ton of research before we casually talked about this. <laughs> he was in the hunt in a few tournaments. And all of a sudden, I feel like I didn't hear his name at the end of the season. So I'm hoping he bounces back. I know he has a ton of potential and I just feel like he's a killer. And when he gets on the greens and as everyone knows, everything is about the putter on the PGA Tour. Uh, all these guys hit it straight. They all hit it long. The putters win over and over. And I remember him having a killer putting game. And so if that can return, I think he's got a chance to start making a splash because there's a lot of good young talent. Uh, he absolutely is one of these kind of analytics darlings that uh, he, he gains strokes in every major part of, of the game. And uh, he's certainly he's just fun to watch play. It's like he's lanky. He uh, he hits the ball a mile and uh, he he's great. So I, I fully Fully agree with you there. And uh, he was in contention in a couple tournaments last year and just couldn't finish it. So uh, fun guy to watch and definitely easy guy to root for as well. Um, my first uh, is Jason Kokrak. So uh, mm. guy comes out of nowhere, hasn't won a PGA tour event, then essentially wins three in a row and becomes, it goes from one of the worst putters to one of the best putters uh, is in the top 20 in driving distance, hits the ball a mile and, and just all of a sudden figures out the flat stick. And now he's uh, a top 20 player in, in the world golf rankings. So uh, he's a guy that I'm really excited to see kind of, if that continues, he's an easy guy to root for, you know, he outdueled speed in Texas. And uh, that was a fun tournament to watch 
And uh, will be interesting to see uh, if he can keep putting it together uh, for 2022 because he's older as the tour goes. He's in his mid thirties and all of a sudden kind of reinvents his, uh, his putting grip. He uses a new putter uh, and, and all of a sudden he's a top putter and uh, is winning three tournaments. So that'll be fun. He's basically a name. I always look over and I would never wager on in any tournament. And then somehow all of a sudden he was on top of the leaderboards in like multiple tournaments. Like who the hell is this guy? And it's, it's pretty fascinating. I love seeing guys who then can figure something out late in life. It's gotta be so exciting. Absolutely. I'm sure he showed up and he's like, if I could make a cut, it's great. And then all of a sudden, boom, I might be able to win something out here. And that's, that's gotta be really sweet. Really cool. Really, really cool. I think it just went with a putter that was an inch longer and all of a sudden he's uh, more comfortable with it. So, all right, who's your next one. Um, okay. So I went kind of fun or interesting in the first, so I'm going to go boring and then I'll go fun and then boring. So let's go boring. Um, Ricky Fowler. Mm. Uh, here's why I want to watch him because I'm a little worried if we don't watch him do anything this year, it's over for him. Um, it's been a long time since he won the players. I believe that was like 2015 mm-hmm. and nothing substantial since. I mean, we're going on six years now. A guy who we see in commercials left and right um who's very marketable a name that somehow is a household name when we now know there's 25 plus golfers who play better consistently um if ricky doesn't come back and do something i think the feeling that i'm saying now as someone who watches the game might start really resonating with the average golfer fan and just like the guy just he never made it happen and i I think that's unfortunate but um if there's a year to do it it's got to be now there's too many young guys that we're about to talk about um with some of the old guard he He's just got to do something finally. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's so marketable and that's certainly been a huge part of it. You know, he, he barely, you know, gets a, an exemption to get into the PGA championship, which I'm sure, you know, and, and actually plays pretty well. And there were some, some of the tournaments later on in the year where it seemed like he was getting things together, but uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if he can knock on the door, uh, in, in any tournaments coming up this year. Cause, uh, certainly he's, you know, teetering on the edge of, of a guy we might not see every single weekend, uh, given some of his performances, but it's always felt like the talents there. So it, it'll be interesting to see if he can put it together and have a good year. Uh, he has that new, uh, husband and fatherly perspective as well. So, uh, <laughs> you can empathize a little bit. So, uh, maybe he's a little bit looser, you know, all the stuff that John Rom said about becoming a father and how it impacted uh, him in tournaments and his perspective, um, was interesting to hear. So who knows if, if Rick, I'm rooting somewhere. for him. I hope, I hope he does something. Same. Same, same, same. Uh, mine, uh, and you might enjoy this answer, is is actually Victor Hopland. Um, oh, that was my next one. All right, so, so there you go. So we can we got a little bit of crossover here. We didn't coordinate this before. Um, you know, the 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 thing about Victor, he's an excellent ball striker, and there's no doubt about it. And uh, the talent is absolutely there. He's a fun guy. I don't, you know, I, I've gone through a, a rabbit hole or two on YouTube with him. He just yes. seems like a fun, like yes. kind of dude. Obviously, uh, uh, he has done yeoman's work uh to improve what was an incredible weakness in his game which was his effort around the green uh you know he goes out there he wins the hero world challenge obviously it was a crazy limited field uh but he he wins mayakoba uh for the second year in a row and it just feels like he's kind of on the precipice of something uh and it's fun to watch him play golf and and the reason i knew you would like this as a uh i know you're 
broadcasting career took you to uh, Oklahoma. Uh, he's an Oklahoma State guy. The PGA Championship is in Oklahoma, yeah, uh, about, about a, a couple, you know, a couple miles away from Stillwater. So, you know, obviously we can circle that one on and, and think that's a tournament that he'll perform at. But it certainly looks like he's he was already elite at several things, and now he's getting even better uh, with his short game, and and that's going to do him wonders. Well, fun fact about Victor, he's a millionaire who still lives in Stillwater, Oklahoma. He has not moved away. And I learned uh, that in in just like listening to a couple of podcasts and stuff too, which is super cool. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's no surprise if you, if you know anything about me, um, he's my favorite golfer and it's, it's the ball striking. It's the attitude about the game. It's the overall fun he has um, and his ability to be great. I think all those things combined and, and yeah, my life took me to Oklahoma and I have some Oklahoma pride. So that's a cherry on top. But even if that wasn't the case, I just love the dude's attitude um, and watching him in person. I think I saw the best struck ball in my life at hole two at ocean course at PGA championship um, or no hole three par five. He, he made a mess of it. Uh, here's what happened. He drove it to the left into the bunker. Um, then his bunker shot, he's trying to get out. He hits a tree and it goes back in the bunker. So his third shot, he gets out onto the fairway. So now he's hitting four from 220 out into the wind, playing about 245, 250. The dude strikes. Uh, uh, it's either a hybrid or a three wood. It's probably three wood into the wind, 250. Four feet from the hole, puts in for par. It was the most insane up and down I've ever seen. He was out of the hole. And so that ball striking, again, was a great gain around the green. But I just think he's got to put it together. And we've seen it recently in the Hero Challenge that he's a force to be reckoned with. I think he's moved up to seventh in the rankings. So um, all that to be said, Southern Hills is absolutely, I'm glad you said that, absolutely a home course advantage for him. And if he can just putt, the, the dude is one of the best players in the world, bar none. Um, and so, yeah, looking forward to see another year of Victor. I think a major is around the corner real quick. Yeah. I, I one of my favorite things about Victor, you know, he, uh, the, the tournament at concession, uh, last February, he makes a quadruple bogey on the ninth hole, I think on Friday, it might've been Thursday or Friday. So quadruple bogey. And then, uh, Morikawa, Morikawa wins that tournament by, uh, three strokes and Hovland finished second at 15 under. So Hovland wins Ugh. the tournament if he doesn't. So, you know, you talk about some of those blow up holes and it's not something that he's not necessarily known for because he's such a good ball striker, but uh, you know, that the complexion of his year could look completely different if well, he ends up pulling the, that off. The, and the book on him right now that everyone's joking about is he's only one at resort courses. He hasn't won at a, a, a typical traditional golf course in the States or in Europe. He's only won at resort courses. Um, so I just think that's a co like a coincidence at this point, but I'm really excited to watch him grow his game. Love it. All right. Uh, 2022 for me uh, in the, in, I want to see the continued redemption story of Jordan speak. Uh, it is, he's it's speaking of guys that you love to root for. I, I could listen to his interviews all the time. He and Rory, uh, are always just so smart and so insightful. And, uh, you know, I talk about Kokrak as, as loving what he did to transform his game, uh, later on in his, his golf career, uh, Spieth, you know, to, to get to the mountaintop as high as he did as early as he did, and then fall off in the way that he did. And then feel like we, we got some great performances, uh, from him last year, uh, 
he won the Valero Texas open. Um, he, he just, uh, he feels like he's getting it together and, and golf's more fun when Spieth is good. And, uh, I'm excited to see if he can keep, keep putting it together for 2022. Yeah, that's another interesting one. He's kind of teetering towards Ricky Fowler territory. Um, I think he's got a little bit more <laughs> grace given because of all the majors won, but uh, it's been a while. And so, yeah, we'll see if he can straighten things out. The thing about Spieth is he just gets in his own head, man. I mean, uh, golf will teach you more about a human being than any other sport in the world. And I'm from all accounts, he's a great guy with everything he had to deal with growing up with his family and his siblings and everything else. But the dude is, can be a head case on the course, mm -hmm. a few bad holes. And it's just like, he's just a different person than when he's on a roll. So um, the great thing about Tiger is Tiger never wavered. And I think if Jordan can get a little bit more of that attitude, then I think he'll kind of return back to the greatness. He's, he's been broken since Augusta. Uh, that broke him um, at Amen Corner when he had his 10 cup moment. So um, I think he can obviously turn it around, but to your point, uh, it would be exciting if he could. Definitely. All right. And who's your last one since I stole, I stole, uh, a victor so, from you. The last one's Colin Morikawa. Mm. And, uh, you know, really, if you think about it, think about it, he's, he's potentially the best player in the world right now. If he would have won the hero, he would have been first in the world. Um, he's up there at every tournament. He, is just insane. I mean, him and Hovland are the two best ball strikers on the tour. Um, it's not even really close. And his ability to get to greens is just like scary freaky. So I want to see if the guy can win another major because all of a sudden he's, he might end up being the Jordan Spieth we thought Jordan Spieth would be. Um, he's, this, he's super young still. It was interesting. Got to um, hear him chatting a little bit last year um, with some work stuff we we're doing and he feels really good about Augusta moving forward. He, he literally, like, what I've gathered is young guys, it takes a tournament or two to really understand that course and your way around it. Um, the one thing Colin Morikawa preaches over and over and over again is course management. Uh, it's not being the, the Bryson just crushing the ball and seeing what happens. I'll hit it wherever it goes. He is meticulous with every shot and every way he shapes it and everywhere he's going. And he makes sure that he will not take himself out of holes. And all of that combined with the experience he's now gained the last couple of years, the dude is the type where I think he could win two to three majors in a year if he's on it. Um, he, he has, he's the complete package. So if you're thinking of the best players in the world right now, Rom, Dustin Johnson, sometimes Brooks, sometimes Bryson, Collins in that top five. No, I, it's it's well, easy. Fully agree. I, uh, one of my favorite anecdotes from him last year was just how he played in the Aberdeen Scottish open before the open and, and said something about how he just didn't like the way his club was, was interacting with the ground, uh, at the Scottish open. So he made a couple of tweaks and, uh, you know, goes out and watching him perform and win the open in the way that he did, it was, he was just throwing darts all over the place. And, uh, you know, and, and he wasn't really thought of as being, uh, the, the best links player, but his ball striking and his putting, you know, when that putt, when, when the putter gets going, it's just, uh, it's, oh. it's a different world. And he's calm, cool and collected. He's a killer. I mm -hmm. mean, he does, he, he literally does nothing bothers him on the golf course. So, yeah. um, he's really fun. He's really fun to watch. I, you know, Hovland's like my favorite from the full package. Um, someone that I just enjoy watching play the game is Colin. Yep. Yep.
Um, my last one, and, and I say this, I am a Tony Finau, uh, big Tony Finau fan, but I'm not going to say Tony as much as I, uh, love him. Um, Xander Shoffley, nice. uh, in the, in the vein that you're, you know, have your anxiety about Ricky. I, you know, he, he goes out, Xander wins the gold medal. Certainly, uh, you know, if you were to evaluate that field, it is not a PGA tour field. Uh, but obviously it was an incredible win and it was something that he clearly took a lot of pride in. And it was really cool seeing him do that. Um, he is a gainer in almost every, you know, in every facet of the game off the tee, uh, approaching around the green and putting, uh, he, he, for all intents and purposes has all the talent in the world. It just hasn't translated to wins. And I, that's going to be an interesting thing to sort of see as we, as we look forward, he is by all intents and purposes for all intents and purposes, one of the top guys in the world, but yep. he just, he doesn't have the resume at this point and, uh, of wins. And, and I have to think that the talent is there that we could be due for some, you know, explosion from him. It, it wouldn't surprise me even well, a little bit. Doesn't he have the most like top three finishes about winning of anyone on the tour in the last week? It's his, it's yeah. I mean, now that Finau won, I, it, it, there was some graphic that I've seen in my life where it was him and Finau just kept finishing so strong and just couldn't, couldn't get it done. And he's always, you know, betting tip. He's always amazing at East Lake in the tour championship. So oh. a, he makes it to the East Lake. He makes it to the tour championship. He's in that top upper echelon, uh, almost every year. And, and, you know, the way they start with the staggering, uh, starts there, he, he has had, I think he had the lowest score two years ago and he was second or third, uh, last year. So, um, he's always, he's just, he's a fun guy to root for too. He seems like he's a pretty level-headed guy and, uh, is, is fun to watch. So I'm, I, I, I always find myself wanting him to do well. Uh, I like so we'll Xander. see if he can put it together. I like Xander a lot. I I'm not even, I, I get what you're saying with the Ricky thing, but not quite as nervous with him because of the quality he puts in week in week out. I mean, he's not really missing cuts. I mean, mm-hmm. Xander is like, he's always right there, but it's it's a tough game, man. You got to put you got to put, and we can end on this. People forget. I mean, we just listed eight people or seven because we both said Hovland out of a field right now where you could go about thirty deep on just spectacular, spectacular players, and you've got to put four rounds together, four days in a row of your best golf you can possibly play to win a tournament. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a sport right now with a deeper field of competition as strong as golf. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're kind of metaphorically saying SEC or whatever, even though they're sucking in bowl season, um, whatever else, like right now, golf is as hard to win, I think, as any sport because of the talent that's out there. So, um, yeah, I mean, all of that to say Xander's incredible. It's just not easy to win. Not at all. Not at all. All right, Andrew, we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining for the first episode, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Pat. All right.